Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Sherry. And we are back to covering every film adaptation of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings ever. That we can find. (laughs) And um, I've gotten some sad news this week of the passing of my friend John St. Baptiste, who was a big fan of Lord of the Rings, and I'd like to dedicate this episode to him. Um, yeah, he he was active in the Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones fandoms. Um, he was associated with the same crowd that went to Con of Thrones in Tennessee. And... Um, he actually did his own live stream discussing Fellowship of the Ring, the the, the book. During what was a really tough time for everybody, but he did this, you know, for his friends, and um, I'm always gonna love that he did that. So he's gonna be missed, and um, I actually um, recommend you go check out his live stream because it still exists on YouTube. It's Talking Talking. Now I'll say there are a lot of different Talking Talking channels because it's a popular name. So it's the one by John St. Baptiste. You're not going to find it very easily because I've tried Googling and it doesn't come up easily, although it does come up eventually on YouTube. So I'm going to actually link the first of his um, in Cast It Into The Fire's um, group and page on Facebook um, in the comments below um, this episode so you can find it easily and I'm also going to link it in most of the places I share it to you know if appropriate to the group and format where I'm uh, posting my stuff our thought <clears throat> excuse me our thoughts and our prayers go out to uh, John's family his and family his friends, his friends. Um, and yeah, well, I guess he's uh up actually, you know, with Tolkien now. So yeah, we we remember him. One of his favorite characters was Gandalf. I know that. Oh, that's really cool. He's a cool character to to like. <clears throat> and uh, so now we go into um the episode. The USSR version of The Hobbit, the live-action one, not the animated, made in 1985. And um, unlike the animated one, which uh, only lasted a few minutes, this is a full-length movie. It's um, almost a full hour and 12 minutes. Yeah... If if you don't count the credits, um, it runs for an hour and approximately nine and a half minutes, and uh, they they did 
a pretty decent job, I would say. The special effects are, let's just say, a bit old, but I liked the acting. It, yeah. I'd have to uh, get to the part with the credits. Who played Bilbo? He was um, M. Danilov. Um, they didn't give a first name. Uh, yeah, I thought he really nailed the role as Bilbo. Yeah. I mean, I thought so even when I watched the version without subtitles in the past. Um, yes, I should say, it can be found on YouTube. There's in Russian without subtitles, which is the original. Now, none of us speaks Russian, so um, we went over the version with English subtitles for the podcast. Now... Yeah, we're going to talk about the the other thing. Yeah, well, initially when I started watching it, I didn't quite catch on that I was watching a parody of the Russian Hobbit. Um, there's a parody on YouTube that was put up by Pixels, and what I was actually looking for was uh, the Hobbit version put out by Brain Nation. And there are two T's in Nation, just so you know if you're looking for it. There's two two N's in the middle. Uh, Oh, yeah. Two N's in the middle, two T's in it. And Um, it's all one word, no spaces. Right. Um, If you're looking for the English subtitles version, that's the one you want to watch, not the parody. I mean, you can watch the parody, but you're going to... (laughs) see things you're like what Did I yes just see we, we were having these discrepancies like the one um i was um taking notes on um seemed pretty you know classy literary and the, you were like oh it's different like uh, tolkien is saying uh, f you and um gollum is called an asshole uh anyhow um Yes, I did not finish watching the parody. I imagine I will watch the parody, but uh, I switched over to watching the one I was actually planning on watching. Um, And now you must realize that the parody, they're using the same film. They are just changing the translation. So... um, yeah, somebody had a little fun with that. So it starts with um, a narrator who I think is meant to look like Tolkien. Um, he goes into a room with just a chair and a table, and he sits down and he starts narrating you know, the fabulous journey of Bilbo Baggins the Hobbit across the wild land, through the dark forest and beyond the misty mountains, there and back again, after the fantastic novel by John Tolkien the Hobbit, translated by N. Romanova. Now, in this film, um, Tolkien, the narrator, pops in... Uh, pretty much every time there's a scene change and he, he has a few things to say and then he pops out again. So, uh... And most of this is almost word-for-word quotes from the book. It actually follows book quotes better than any adaptation I've seen, you know, with allowances made for certain scenes that were skipped to compress the story. 
Right. Well, you, you'll expect to see Tolkien, or, you know, the actor playing Tolkien, um, maybe a dozen times or so during the course of the uh, little over an hour film. So he explains what a hobbit is and how they have little or no magic about them and how they dress in bright colors and wear no shoes because their feet have natural leathery soles and good-natured faces. They laugh often, especially after dinner, which they have twice a day when they can get it. Um, Yeah, that's not enough dinner for hobbits. Now, when you see (laughs) Bilbo in this film... um, Bilbo looks a little different than uh, you might envision him. He's in a pink shirt. He looks like he might have a brown long sleeve shirt underneath his short pink long or short sleeve pink shirt. Like he's a hobbitly looking guy, but the the wardrobe I didn't find quite as uh, Bilboish. He's wearing like a knit uh, cap that is kind of rolled up so it's shorter on his head, if you could imagine. And um, Sarah actually thought she was seeing shoes on him. Yeah, I thought boots. he was wearing boots, but she thought, and I think she's right, that there was supposed to be a hairy hobbit foot sort of covering for his feet. So yeah, I I do think they tried to make him look like he was barefoot, but they, well, the lighting in this entire film is not the best. Everything's kind of on the dark side. Some things are even more so on purpose in that you'll see nighttime, you'll see uh, mist and fog uh, and you know, locations where they it would be darker anyhow, like in a cave. And how good the special effects are for these locations varies from decent to uh, not right. that great. Uh, so... Keeping in mind this was made in the 80s. Right. It was made in 1985. And so he's uh, sitting out with his pipe outside of Bag End and it was a quiet early morning where there was less noise in the world and more green and you can see that there are like mountains in the background of though it's a painting as opposed to actual mountains yes um but uh even the hobbit hole was a backdrop uh it you know, just gave you a different feeling, but um, I understand uh, budgets and uh, you can only do so, so much. But uh, he's sitting on this longish bench, um, enjoying his pipe. And uh, you know, Gandalf shows up, and um, he's about the same height as Bilbo. That's one of the things I was just going to say, that Gandalf was only really a hair taller than Bilbo. Um, the one thing, well, if we're going to speak on heights right now, um, yes, Gandalf is a little taller than Bilbo. Dwarves varied in height, but all... 
similar to Bilbo or a little taller? They they waited to try to do any camera tricks to shrink anybody all the way till Lake Town, and then it was very noticeable. Yes, yes the, the Lake men were maybe... They made them a look like giants compared... As, yeah, they, they, were, they were some of them maybe twice as tall as Bilbo. Um, but... Uh, other than that, you know, there were really similar heights or, or the average differences in, you know, people in general. I'm not expecting, you know, modern CGI in this, but... No, no. And uh, Gandalf's wig looks pretty uh, shiny. His wig looked like a wig. It looked like it, uh, I hate to say, came off of a... A cheap doll from the 60s. Um, that very overly shiny, nylon-y kind of look. Um, it was on the shorter, curlier end. And I think that the actor for Gandalf, um, credited as um, I. Crosco, um, I don't think he was really older. I think he was maybe middle-aged, but... Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, he meets Bilbo, and Bilbo gives him a good morning, and what do you mean? Do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a good morning whether I want not, or that it is a morning to be good on for all? All of them at once, and a very fine morning to sit outside with the smoke. So this is almost word for word the same exchange from the book, and I think... The area where it's not might be a translation issue. And uh, he invites him to sit down and have a smoke because they have all the day before us. But he says he hasn't have time for today. He's looking for someone to share in an adventure. And it's not easy to find anyone. And Bilbo laughs at that and he says, you know, in our parts, we're hobbits, we're plain quiet folk, we have no love for adventures and nothing but trouble and discomfort. If you're looking for participants, search them across the river or over the hill. He laughs some more. Good morning. And, um, what a lot of things you do use good morning for, I, I, I. Now do you mean you want to get rid of me? And now he's like, not at all. And unfortunately, I don't have the honor to know your name. And Gandalf says that you do know my name and I know your name. You're Mr. Bilbo Baggins. And you do know my name. You just don't remember I belong to it. I'm Gandalf and Gandalf means me. And Bilbo is surprised. Are you really Gandalf? I'm really the one. You're the wizard responsible for sending so many quiet lads and lasses going off into no one knows where for quest of adventure. Bilbo had heard from his mother, Belladonna, about Gandalf. Um, and he actually keeps referring to his Bella, mother, Belladonna, a lot throughout the right. film. So I think uh, she... Um, had a lot of stories about adventures, whether she was involved in them or not, to tell him. She, Yeah, she told him about goblins and giants and the rescue of princesses. And 
Um, Gandalf says to, tells Bilbo that for the sake of his mother, he will give him what he has asked for. He's going to send him on an adventure, and Bilbo, uh, he doesn't want that. And Gandalf seems kind of mischievous about it. Yeah. Um, actually, um, there's a another YouTube video that I did not watch, but it's about how quote-unquote weird this film is, and it's this evil Gandalf. Uh, I never see any evil Gandalf, but he's definitely got more of a mischief note to him than the Gandalf from the film you're probably more used to. Now, um, Bilbo parts company with Gandalf and goes back inside his hobbit hole. You don't see him actually do that because that hole is a prop. Uh, But, uh, you know, Bilbo goes off camera and then Gandalf, he raises his arms and you hear this kind of magical sound and you see kind of these flashes, sparkling things happening at the door and that's, I guess, your first... Magic. He's putting his mark on it. He's putting the mark on the door. The next Bilbo's, you know, he's in his hobbit hole, and twerves start arriving. Well, here's a doorbell, and I never think of a doorbell with uh, the hobbit hole, but no, he hears the doorbell. Well, I think he had a doorbell in the live-action Peter Jackson version, too. I don't remember if he did in the book, though. Yeah. That makes me want to like revisit it. I think he did. It. I think he did though. Um, the dwarves start arriving, and there's this cheery music going, and it's somewhere between like uh, whistling and ragtime slash uh, maybe uh, New Orleans jazz sort of music going on. It's not something you really associate with Middle Earth that much. Um, I'll say the music um, interlude before, interlude prelude, I, I don't know, um, when they're introducing things and um, the Tolkien narration is going, is more of kind of a haunting, it does feel like it belongs with the story in Middle Earth, that it sets the tone. And There was some violin music too, which was like going on like at the doorbell time and such, so... The music quickly changed. Uh, dwarves start arriving, and the dwarves have long robes and long beards. And I was not good at fi- at remembering which name went with which dwarf. Um, Thorn had an orange beard. Yeah, Thorn was very orange. And Bilbo, you know, he looks flustered and scurries around trying to be hospitable. And it, it very much, you know, it, it's like it is in the books. He's getting all these foods for them and then keep treating him like a short-order cook. And One funny thing was, each time Bilbo needed to go to the door, he had a scarf around his neck. And he would take the scarf off, hang it up on a hook and then go answer the door and then he would then hang each of their 
I guess, staffs, which had a little ornamental-type hooked end. He'd hang them up on this uh, bar or something that near the ceiling and that was near the front door. And anyhow, then he would go and get his scarf and put it back on again. And so he was putting that scarf on and off, on and off, each time there was a group of dwarves coming. And I didn't list every food they ordered, but I did take note of a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Cabbage pie, which was not in the book, and I wonder if that's a Russian thing. Yeah. (coughs) And pickled cucumbers. And the book just said pickles, so I think that cucumbers were specified to distinguish them from, I don't know, maybe some other kind of pickle that's more uh, common in Russia. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, I see a lot of, I'm talking of them online more than personal experience, because I've never been to England, but a lot of, oh, when they say pickle there, they mean this other thing, and uh, I don't know. I don't know to what degree pickle is used to mean pickle cucumber in either place. Right. Although, if you're from either England or Russia and want to message me and talk about pickles, uh, I'd love to hear it. And, uh, Bilbo, as he's scurrying around, I hope they eat and drink themselves to death, these dwarves. Oh, he's almost sounding a bit more like, uh, Bingo saying that. If you remember an early prototype of Frodo... Um, that did not make it into the published version and was named Bingo, and he was a little edgier. Yeah. Well, they do eat every last thing in um, the larder. Well, no use at going to waste. Yep. And then they wash the dishes and they sing... A song very similar to what's in the book. I didn't note down the lyric changes. It's not identical, but it's very close. And then Thorne discusses his quest about the dragon smog and taking back the gold. Once again, almost word for word the same as it was in the book. Do you have any more commentary about that? Well, they're all sitting around smoking pipes. Now, I hadn't necessarily envisioned them all smoking pipes, but that's how it's... uh, I think they did. Oh, yeah, so they're smoking their pipes, and there's Thorn, as I said, he's got a bright orange hooded robe, and his beard is orange, and he's just very orange. And he suggests that most or all of them, except for the wizard Gandalf, may not return from the journey. And Bilbo just like up and faints. And um, Gandalf gets him up, says he's an excitable fellow, prone to funny bouts, but one of the best, and fierce as a dragon with its tail caught in the door. And Thorin seems very uh, skeptical about that. Yeah, they say he looks more like a grocer than a burglar. Um, Now, the fainting thing, I actually double-checked the book. He does fall over and have a a bit of a funny bout, but he doesn't actually faint. Yeah. 
yeah, Bilbo is offended at the suggestion that he's more like a grocer than a burglar. And he thinks they came to the wrong house, but they should treat it as if it were the right one. And he'll fight whoever they want him to fight. Thorin explains about Smaug, and it's basically also the same as the book, except Smaug is collecting cruel tribute from the people of Lake Town, whatever whatever that means. I don't know whether that means that they're uh, sending him the occasional livestock, or whether it just means he comes and does his dragon destruction, because it kind of seemed implied more of the latter. Yeah, I think it's the latter, because the the town is like half destroyed or something. Uh, oh, this is another uh, difference from the book where Smog pretty much doesn't come out where people can see him anymore and people think he's gone. Right. If he ever existed. He explains about how the, the Arkenstone is um, in there and it's a diamond. Now, does it say diamond in the book? Because I don't. No, know. it never specifies what yeah. kind of gem it is. Is it's the heart of the mountain? Because this is the second film that called it a diamond. Called it a diamond. Yeah. I think it was just something special and unique that doesn't have a real world geology equivalent. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's more your thing than. But. It's like oh, this mountain had a heart. Maybe it's a literal heart of the mountain, and I've wondered to other mountains have an Arkenstone. Um, it's never yeah. it never comes up. Yeah, one, yeah, one of the ones we had done before. It was a diamond, heart shaped diamond. So they really took it literal, you know, on the being the heart of the mountain. Um, and there have been some uh, fan theories about it being a Silmaril, which don't really hold up to. Scrutiny because the locations of the Silmarils is known, and also not everybody can just touch one. But it has its parallels of like how much people want it, and this particular diamond Arkenstone looked like a sizable, maybe five or six inch long. Quartz point. Yeah, it wasn't that impressive to me. I mean, yeah, you you compared it to a quartz point. I thought it looked kind of like a Cape May quote unquote diamond, which is a type of quartz. It is quartz, but bigger. It didn't look like anything particularly special and magical. Okay, it's a a white rock. I actually have a Cape May diamond in a ring. Um, which it looks cloudy most of the time. You actually have to wash it with a toothbrush and uh, Mr. Clean. And it's not a true diamond. Clear. It's a type of quartz. It's quartz. It's not. It's not diamond strength. It's not diamond value. I mean, it. It's. I think you'd count it in the semi-precious or maybe whatever's like right below that in the. Um. People are more probably equated with Herkimer diamonds, and Herkimer diamonds are also quartz uh, mined in Herkimer County in New York, um, and Cape May is trying to do the same thing, making it a, you know, 
that it came from Cape May, If you New were Jersey. to buy jewelry that was made from a Cape May diamond, it would cost about the equivalent of getting one made from amethyst or, you know, something on that price range. Or maybe less. This diamond, Cape May diamond on, in the silver ring was in the 40-something dollar range. So, not not pricey, but still very pretty. Well, anyway, the dwarves are to travel at dawn, and next is seen traveling through intense fog and some wind while singing the Misty Mountain song, only slightly changed from the original. And the dwarves are also passing around a drink, which I presume is some hard beverage. Oh, I always, I always just was thinking that was water, but it's hard to tell. It was like a bottle, but maybe it is. But they're traveling through like cold-looking. Yeah. <laughs> the the incident with the trolls and visiting Rivendell both are skipped, at least as far as it appears so far. And it gets right to the thunder battle in the mountains. And the special effects are weird. Um, there's a lot of red and yellow, like something flashing in the background. It looks like there's this big cottony cloud thing on the left part of the screen. And then lights flashing behind it occasionally to make it look like, you know, storm cloud. Uh that, you know, might be pink, might be purple, might be yellow-orange, you know, whatever. Yeah, this is one of the times where the special effects looked, as I said, old. Yeah. And Feely and Keely want Bilbo to go and search for shelter. And Thorin says, Feely and Keely, go search until you are struck by lightning. Okay, Uncle Thorin, that's a bit well, Bilbo did make a comment how, you know, he didn't know these, you know, this these mountains, he, you know. Well, Feely and Keely wouldn't know those mountains either. That's true. As, as far as I knew, they grew up on the, in the mountains that are west of the Shire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they they do find a cave, and a lizard is shown on screen. I saw that lizard, just a quick glimpse of it. It was as quick as glimpse, but I think it was a real lizard. I couldn't tell if it was a real or if it was a toy that was just popped up, because it wasn't a real clear view of it. Of course, you know, it's, it's in a like, cave, it's dark. It's in the cave, it's dark, it was quick. And I'm not certain whether it was a real lizard or a toy one either. You will find the lizard popping up at about the 25 minute mark of the film. So, you can watch that and give us your opinion. But, I mean, I've worked around reptiles a lot of years. I'm a little embarrassed that I'm not sure, but... Well, it wasn't a real... I worked around reptiles too, and it, it was not clear. It just looked like a lizard with a longish tail, and that's about all I could say. And they next fall asleep, and Gandalf looks amused again and disappears in a whirl of his cloak. 
And next, Bilbo is having nightmares. At first, he has a nightmare where he barely escapes from a pack of wolves. And... Then there's Shaggy Trolls. He he has a nightmare about nearly getting eaten by Shaggy Trolls. But he grabbed a magic... They grabbed a magic sword from them. And then eagles carried them to safety. And... Then a dream that the cave cracked and ugly goblins came out. Now as... Yeah. No, go ahead. As... As... It seems that these dreams were ways to acknowledge parts of the book that happened, but they wanted to skip for streamlining the film. Yeah. Because, you know, the trolls happened in the book, and they got magic swords from their troll cave. And there was a thing in the book where they're chased by a pack of wolves and saved by eagles, and it's skipped. So I think this was their way of... Right. Putting it in. And, but after the uh, cave cracking and the goblins falling from the crack, Bilbo cried and he wakes up and realized that it wasn't a dream. And uh, the goblins are there. And the goblins, the quote-unquote goblins, they... They're pretty normal looking. I mean, they got on these white outfits. I thought they kind of looked armorish, chainmailish kind of looking. Like soldiers as opposed to some kind of goblin-y creature thing. The great goblin looked like his eyebrows were a bit enhanced, but... Yeah, they... They didn't look very goblin-like. And they uh, take the... Oh, they're doing their dwarves down, and they song. do a whole song and dance um, with the the Down Downs of Goblin Town song, and apparently this was done by. I'd have to refer to the credits again. Now the goblins also were made to seem a little taller than the dwarves. So what are you looking for? I'm looking for the the credits for the dance. Mm. Um, There was a Leningrad State Academic Small Theater of Opera and Ballet. And there was someone else involved with dance, too. Well, when I was watching it, um, I did think that there was definitely some uh, aspects of ballet in the dance. Uh, nothing like you'd normally see in ballet, but just little bits that made it seem, hey, these these are dancers. Um, and I also noticed it later on uh, with the lake men. So they are brought before the great goblin, who, as I said, is pretty normal looking. And he's got a bit of makeup enhancement, especially with his eyebrows. But he doesn't. He doesn't look anything like the Great Goblin in either the live action or the um, Rankin Bass animated, where he looks like this giant mouth monstrosity, yeah. fangs, extra chin. And and Thorin tells him that he was just they were just sheltering from the storm. And. 
then he claims that he was going to uh, visit his relatives east of these mountains. Now the goblin wants to know how he got the sword from the troll's lair. Which, yeah, the the troll incident that uh, was skipped, that troll's lair, yes. Yeah. And he thinks, you know, having that sword, they're goblin murderers and they're friends of elves. Well, we don't actually see any elves in this. We do not see any elves in this. But it's an elf. The sword was, you know, in the book it came from elves, so mm-hmm. it's not a stretch that anybody who has the elf sword um, knows some elves. Um, and he he freaks out, you know. But the goblins whip them, are saying bite them. to whip them, chop them, bite them, nibble them, and throw, throw them, them in a snake, snake pit. pit. Make them never see the daylight anymore. Now the snake pit actually was mentioned in the book. Yeah, throw them into dark holes full of snakes. We never actually get to see an actual snake pit described in the book or any of the movies. I mean, me, I wouldn't mind seeing some Middle Earth snakes, but... And and Gandalf appears. And he throws the sword, which sticks the great goblin, you know, totally bloodlessly. And it returns to Gandalf's hand, and then they're going to run for it, but Bilbo twists his ankle. His foot. Uh, but, uh... Anyhow, most of the others have escaped. And the dwarves are lamenting their lack of food, raisin cakes, ham and ale, and they're regretting taking Bilbo, who's a blunderer and a boaster like all hobbits. They don't really know any hobbits. How can they say all hobbits are boasters? And the goblins fight the dwarves, and Bilbo hits his head and is knocked out. Which is pretty close to what happened in the book. Right. He comes to alone and you know, decides he's got to you know, go forward because he can't go back or to the side. And right and away... It's, and it's dark, and you hear dripping. Drip, drip, drip. He finds like the ring... What? Yeah, he pretty much right away finds the ring and realizes he's at water, so he really hasn't had a chance to go forward like he says he would. He really has gone forward like... Well, first of all, he's not doing steps. He's on hands and knees, and he only goes forward a foot or two before he feels the ring and uh, puts it in his pocket. He's thinking about whether this is a stream or a river or a pond, and her... His mother, Belladonna, told him many times that ponds occur in caves like this. And they have fearful fish having big eyes. From trying to see in the dark. So, that's interesting. Exactly how much does Belladonna talk about caves? Does she have some kind of spelunking past? Uh, Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And the fearful fish with big eyes are mentioned in the book. Now, when we talked about the book, The Hobbit, I explained, yeah, fish do adapt to caves, but it goes the opposite way. Their eyes 
reduced till they've got right, nothing or like six under their skin. Like they said, yeah. And it'll be more or less, you know, the same as small fish from outside of the cave, but they'll generally be pale white and no eyes. Like blind cave fish, um, some blind cave catfish, there's some in um, well systems in Texas like that. Now we we actually have had blind cave fish uh, as uh, I believe that's that was a lot of years ago. As, as in a, in a tank we used to have, but uh, and they're they're basically normal tetras, just white and without eyes. Yeah. And some of the cave fish in Madagascar actually swim upside down because up and down don't have so much meaning in the dark. Right. Um, anyhow, our narrator, Tolkien, pops back in and he says, there are more fearful creatures than fish. And even his mother, Belladonna, didn't know about them. And creatures that lived there before the goblins... They settled in the caves before the goblins, and now they lurk in dark crannies. And now that line is almost word for word from the book also. Uh, I don't know if Gollum really was there before the goblins. It wouldn't make sense. Uh, He's about 500 years old, but goblins have been around a long time. Although maybe Tolkien hadn't really worked out who Gollum was yet at the time. At what age was Gollum when the ring incident with his, what was it? Cousin. cousin? Yeah. I, I don't know the age then. Since the uh, hobbits age slower. Um, I mean, without a ring, hobbits make it to... A, the longer end of human lifespans, and not crazily long like the elves, but longer. Anyhow, then you're back at the lake scene, and the lake is what you can see of it. It, it looks like it's got dark. some kind of bubbler in it. It is. It's bubbling. Um, now... It's probably the fanciest special effect in the... Well, I actually saw dry ice in one scene so um yes they did use dry ice to create some of these effects and Gollum himself now he's draped in some sort of looks like a fishnet and he's got on face paint and some kind of fake fangs that look like they're more like attached to his lips than inside and they're poking instead of down like a fang would be almost reminds me a bit of out like towards in front of him almost reminds me a bit of like fish barbells but not long enough and he has like a green tentacle antenna looking hat with um some kind of like fins coming out of the back of it two of them and he's got scale sort of gloves yeah they the, the gloves seemed almost like reptilian and uh his he's got like this close fitting headpiece hood thing that's got like things poking off of it it's green a bit like an old school creature from the black lagoon kind of yeah 
And, you know, I like kind of fishy, froggy-looking versions of Gollum. I'm not sure how truly accurate they are, given that Gollum is apparently related to hobbits, as revealed in Lord of the Rings, but... I do like um, froggy-looking Gollum designs. Yeah. He's not so froggy. He's more like a fish fish creature, reptile. Yeah. See his, his gloves? And, it, you know, it, it's he's got longer claw-like nails on them, but his gloves only go to his wrist. So you can tell very much that he's got gloves on. And it's pretty good for creating Gollum without fancy CGI. <coughs> I kind of see it as somebody put a lot of effort into making their Gollum Halloween costume. And, uh, more so than, you know, if you tried to buy a Gollum costume at uh, a party store. Uh, not that you can. And, yeah, he, he has his Gollumisms with how he talks, but it's a little different. Glitter and splash, precious. Wine and dine. A tasty morsel for us, Gollum. And, you know, he asks Bilbo who he is, and... Bilbo does say that he's Bilbo Baggins and he's a hobbit. Which is... Maybe not the wisest thing to say to Gollum, but he doesn't know Gollum's got... He doesn't know Gollum's a stalker, I mean... He also doesn't know Gollum was a hobbit. Or or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the riddle, the riddle game is proposed, and it goes a lot like it does in the book. Actually, more so than some other adaptations. It's got most of the riddles, even the weird ones. It's got the the no leg sat on one leg, two legs sat near on three legs, four legs got some riddle, with the answer being fish on a table, man on a little stool at the table, and the cat gets the bones as the answer. Um, That doesn't make its way into any of the others. You listed down the the riddles that... I didn't write out how the riddles were worded. But which ones? Well, yes. I listed that um, well... How I listed them was by... uh, The answer. The answers, yes. So... Well, I think they had dark... They had dark... Well, the first one was the mountain one. And then the next one was the teeth one. And and Gollum says he has six, not 30. Rinky dink, we only have six. And he just, like, counts his teeth right there Mm -hmm. while Bilbo just looks a little weirded out. And I don't know if he's counting the two fangs that are poking out in the front, but... And then the next one was the one where it's it's wind, followed by the dark, then an egg. They and, skip time, yeah. which is really the most impressive riddle, but they skip that one, and they skip the sun on the daisies one, which happened in the book, and... 
really upset Gollum when... Anyhow, was, then they do the fish one. The fish one, yes. Where And that's Bilbo was having a hard time with coming up with the answer to that. And Gollum's and getting all weird and in his personal space while he's trying to guess. Yes, a fish pops up and splashes. And so Bilbo gets his answer. He says, a fish. And uh, then Bilbo's tar- turn and... Bilbo says, what have I got in my pocket? And you have three guesses. And if I only had three guesses, I would not be quite so quick to toss them out without thinking more. But uh, Gollum says, hand. And Bilbo's like, I don't have a hand in my pocket. And he's showing his hands. Oh, well, to be fair, Gollum's sticks are not the same as Bilbo's. Bilbo's trying to not get eaten and get the way out, and Gollum just wants to eat Bilbo. It's not like Gollum couldn't go and eat something else. And so Bilbo's playing for his life. Gollum's playing for eating something different than fish or goblin for a change. Right. But Bilbo did have a bit of padding on himself, so uh, he would be probably a meatier morsel than... Uh, the goblins in this (laughs) that's how Gollum would think anyhow um, so the first guess was hand and he was wrong the second guess was knife and I was thinking oh is he thinking this is like a little boy and what things a little boy might have in his pocket Um, because string or nothing nothing, and I'm thinking um, okay yeah he's definitely thinking what would a little boy have in his pocket you know, I'm surprised you didn't say bottle cap or, you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, but that was his final guess. And We uh, promised to show Nasty Baggins the way out, but we are curious. What has he got in his pocket? And in this, Bilbo pulls out the ring so it's within sight. Just puts it on his finger. And puts it on. And I feel like maybe it's intended to be happening from a distance away and they didn't do a good job of showing that. But yeah, right in front of them, he takes the ring on and puts it out in front of them. And he's searching for his ring and crying when he realizes it's missing. And right after Bilbo took it out right in front of him. Yes. And Bilbo just kind of says, hey, my precious, thank you. Now I know where the back door is. Think that he thinks that Gollum's name is Precious, maybe? Quite possibly. And Gollum, he throws a tantrum about his stolen ring. His birthday present. And, you know, shouting about revenge on the thief and... Bilbo just says, hey, my precious, goodbye, and put on your thinking cap. And then Bilbo follows Gollum out. But he's tormented by the thought that he should be going to look for his friends. And he... Now this, right before he leaves, this is where you see shots of the the lake water and you see the dry ice floating in the water, kind of swirling the... Uh, foggy look around. So, 
And this is also where Tolkien pops in for a moment. But then, yes, then it cuts back to Bilbo, who uh, he had ran and ran, and he was contemplating if he should look for his friends, and then he hears voices. Yeah, he comes to the decision, it's his duty, and he has to go look for them, and he's not happy about it. He hears voices, and it's the dwarves arguing about how useless he is, and how they shouldn't have brought him, and how Doi dropped him when someone grabbed his legs in the dark. Even though they did not have Dory carrying him on his back like he did in the book. Right. Um, bad luck to him. Hobbits are no good. So Bilbo's overhearing all this. And just comes in among them and the dwarves scream and run off. So, um... After this, they skip the wolf attack scene. They skip the whole thing with Bjorn and they skip most of the trip through Mirkwood Forest. They skip the eagles. They, they go right to the spiders. They go right to the spiders. And the spiders, they look they look like Halloween decoration spiders. Those plastic spiders probably uh, dangling from a little fishing line and there's a couple of spiders and you know they just kind of bop, bop them up and down and... Um, and who screamed? Whoever screamed... We have a breakfast. It was a hot scramble, but it was worth it. <coughs> what a tough skins they have, but for sure there is good juice inside. And you see groggy-looking dwarves, very loosely draped in web. Uh, at the web. They don't really look trapped. We must not hang them too long, otherwise they'll be all withered. We must kill them now and then hang them again. What do you think? They're already dead. And then spiders notice that a dwarf is struggling and an angry dwarf struggles to free himself and that's when Bilbo shows himself <coughs> to distract the spiders. And he helps free the dwarves. And he just starts his uh, old fat spider rhyme Hey, old fool, I'll give you a sign. Drop the cobweb and try to catch up. And Bilbo frees the dwarves. Hey, 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 spiders are fools, hee hee. I was laughing out loud at that, actually. Yeah. Here I am, little fly. You are fat and lazy. You can't trap me if you try. In your cobwebs crazy. Here I am, you are lucky. Spider fools, catch me if you can. And, you know, this is... Maybe not exact quotes, but this is from the book and is one of the um, comical parts of it that they didn't really keep the humor in so much in any of the other movies that had it. But yeah, Bilbo was taunting the spiders. And all the while these spiders are obviously plastic. I know. And then Tolkien pops back in for a scene change. And Tolkien is talking about the lake town and how it's been half burned by the dragon. And they live in fear of the raids and destruction by the dragon. Which, as I mentioned before, in the book, the dragon was there, but they hadn't seen him in a very long time. I don't know where he was going to eat or if he was having to eat because... 
people weren't seeing him. They thought he was gone or maybe he didn't exist. They weren't really... Like a few uh, older people were still worried about smog, but the younger people of the town didn't think he was still there. And this, it seems, he's there and actively causing destruction. So this is where we see that uh, the uh, lake men are much taller uh, than uh, and uh, it, dwarves and the hobbit. It doesn't so much make the dwarves and hobbit look like they're tiny so much as make the lake men look like giants. Yes, exactly. And they're dressed kind of costume medieval. Yes. And they remember the old days of peace and plenty and friendship with the dwarves of Lonely Mountain and sang songs about awaiting their return. And they are singing, but there are no words. They're also dancing in kind of a improv uh, swing, uh, hints of ballet um, with their movements. And Thorin announces himself... And yeah, they're they are you know, joyed that he's there and has returned. And you know, they welcome him. They think the time of the dragon is over and they, they say sing the day of, uh reckoning has come. They sing and because this song doesn't exist in the book at all. I wrote down all the lyrics. For the will of the nearby mountains and caves and streams and rocks, we finally must arise, the young and the old, and on the pure firmament all stars will start to shine, and couplets from the old songs will sound everywhere, and trees will start to rustle, and herbs will start to sing, and all the light blue rivers will flow into valleys. Oh, that almost sounds like something elves would have come up with. The elves were fully skipped, but... Yeah, they have the song, and the dwarves go on to the dragon's lair. And this is where Thorin says that Bilbo has shown boldness and courage and luck, and now is his time for him to do what they brought him for. And uh, he says he could refuse. He's saved them more than once, and he's earned some treasure already. But he doesn't want them thinking they are dealing with a grocer. So that's that's something that's... Been eating away at him, I'm sure, the whole time. Yes, and to prove he's not a grocer, he will do this. But who will keep him company? And then it's back to Tolkien, the narrator, who does his whole speech about how dwarves aren't heroes, and uh, they know the value of gold. Now, one thing I noticed was Thorin, before Bilbo goes, Thorin splashes water on him like three times at his face. I... I didn't notice, and I don't know the significance of that. Well, I say water, but it's from that bottle they've been drinking from. Oh, so maybe it's some kind of luck thing, like breaking a bottle on a boat before you launch it? Yeah, I I don't know. Because I kind of don't think it was water in that bottle. You know, Tolkien does his whole speech about how dwarves aren't heroes and they know the value of gold and some of them are treacherous and pretty bad lots while others are honest like Thorn and company if you don't expect too much. Now this is almost word for word from the book 
Yeah. And it was sort of kind of soft retcon later in where they absolutely Jewish show dwarves, you know, going and fighting their own battles and, you know, the heroism of Gimli and Lord mm. of the Rings. Well, Bilbo starts, you know, going into this uh, secret passage and he uses a, a rock pick and he hits at the rock which seems inadvisable. Yeah, it seemed a little weird, but he did that. And then you hear hissing. There's some kind of water steam special effect in the background. Yeah. I don't know whether that's supposed to come from the dragon or or if it's supposed to be underground water stuff. And yeah, the next thing you know, he finds the Arkenstone at his feet. And then we've already talked about what it looked like. It's not that impressive, and it looks like... A big Cape May diamond as opposed to an actual diamond. It definitely doesn't look like something special that Dwarves would have dug out of the center of a mountain and passed down as a family heirloom. Right. And he jumps up and laughs, also inadvisable, and the sm- and Smog appears, and he's a puppet, but a well-made puppet. Yeah. His design is pretty close to like, the smog, how I imagine him with his his face and. Mm-hmm. He says he can smell the thief and hear him breathing, and uh, he should go ahead and take treasure. There's plenty to spare. And Bilbo, he says he didn't come for presents. He came to see Smog and see if he is really as scary and huge as the stories say because he did not seriously believe the fairy tales. Smog asks what he thinks of them now. Oh, they fall short of reality. And Smog does his whole speech about his teeth are swords, his claws, spears. His wings carry him with the speed of the hurricane. His tail is like the shock of a thunderbolt. I'm looking at the picture of Smog now, and... Okay, yeah, he, he isn't quite how I imagined him, but he's a lot closer to it than some of the other Smogs I've seen. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got a mouthful of teeth, big eyes, kind of a bit of a crocodile sort of snout, but he's red. Um, Not like a full-grown croc, more like a baby croc. Yeah. And he's got these big scale frill things on his neck, and he's kind of gold yellow underneath. And yeah, it's Smog, you know, is describing himself, and Bilbo compliments his vest. And, uh. Which Smog shows him. Well, I think the vest was being a bit poetic, like that's his scales. Well. The vest was mentioned in that other adaptation, and also. it's mentioned in the book too. Yeah. And I think it, I think it refers to the actual his, scales on him and his chest. maybe the gems adhering to it. Anyhow, that is when Bilbo sees a hole where the naked body sticks out. And Bilbo is saying this out loud, but it's obviously meant for the cameras, not not for Smog. It's, it's supposed to be something he's thinking. Yeah, he asked, he'd asked Smog about, you know, are dragons soft underneath? And 
you know, so that's when Smog had rolled over to let Bilbo see, and that's where he found the missing scale. And they didn't fully show Smog rolling over, they showed his right. head turning over. Yeah, they did a lot of head shots of Smog, and some distant shots. And they show him stick his front leg out and, like, show off his claws. But, you know, it's easier to do a puppet in that way. And Bilbo excuses himself, and I will not detain you any longer. Dwarves take some catching, and so do burglars. And the narrator um, says, you know, you never, you should never laugh at live dragons, and how that passed into proverb. And this adventure is far from over. And he said, Bilbo, you fool. And Smog uh, goes to attack the town, and while this is happening, Bilbo shouts to Bard, the bowman, about the missing scale, and Bard shoots down Smog with an arrow, <coughs> and Smog falls, but it, it looks kind of silly. Yeah. The people cheer, no more dragon, no more dragon. And the dwarves shout that the treasure is theirs, and Bilbo reminds Thorn that some treasure is owed to him, and also that he should give some to Lake Town to help them rebuild, it would be proper. And Thorn is angry. He doesn't want to give up any treasure. It's all his. It belonged to his grandfather. And yeah, nobody has a right. The treasure of the mountain are all mine. And um, Smog stole them from my f- grandfather. Now, of course, keeping in mind, Smog also stole from the lake men. Who knows who else? Well, Baird responds by saying... Smog destroyed the town, and I killed the dragon, so freed your treasure. Is that not a matter that concerns you? And And Thorin says, we have nothing to talk about. Bilbo reminds Thorin that he was promised he could take whatever he wanted in remuneration, and Bilbo says that he waves his share and transfers the stone to the people of Lake Town. And then he hands the Arkenstone over. And um, Thorn is rage. Uh, the Arkenstone is his. It belongs to his father. Um, Bard says, You have a warm heart, Hobbit. And Th- Thorn is total raging. Th- you pitiful Hobbit, you lousy burglar. Um, says, Damn for Gandalf. That's pretty much the closest it gets to swearing in the yeah. real non parody version. Damn for, for Gandalf for imposing. You on us. May his, May his beard, beard wither, wither, which is probably a much more serious swear to dwarves. Yeah. And then suddenly Thorin appears. <laughs> Stop. Your wish has come true. I mean, I said Gandalf appears. Stop. Your wish come came true. Gandalf is here. And don't harm the hobbit. Um, Thorin accuses Bilbo, Bard, and Gandalf of being in league you know, against him. Um, Bilbo says on when he was told he could take a 14th part of the share of the treasure, he took it literally, maybe too literally. And then they hear the army of goblins. Um, yeah, Gandalf says he's not making a very good figure as king under the mountain, and Thorin starts crying about his uh, Arkenstone. And that's when Gandalf says the army of the goblins is upon them, and Bard directs them they should find a place while there's still time and get ready for battle. 
And it was a big battle. And the ba- yeah, the battle happens, and it's part of its like live action sort of layered over a painting of the battle happening. Yeah. Um, all of it fits more into like implied violence than like you can see them clashing together, but no, no blood, no. Right. You can see arrows. They say arrows flew, swords and spears glittered. Bards or bard? Is it bard or bard? Bard. Bard's squad fought bravely. Dwarves and Bilbo Baggins fought desperately. But one of the goblins hit the hobbit with a mace. And he got knocked out and uh, didn't know how the battle went and how the enemy retreated. Uh, this is another change. Bilbo did not actually fight in the book. He yeah. he, he, hit, he, he Yeah, he put on his ring and was like, I'm out, yeah. And he got hit on the head anyway, even if they weren't aiming for him, he got in the way of someone and right. got knocked out just the same. Well, after Bilbo comes to, he says, at least I'm not one of the fallen heroes. And Gandalf finds him still alive. And uh, then he sees Thorin being carried on a stretcher. And he he, he talks with Bilbo. Farewell, Hobbit. Farewell, uh, good thief. I go now to the halls of waiting to sit beside my fathers until the day when world is renewed. Which, um, in dwarves, I guess you would say, religious beliefs, um, that's it. They they go to the halls of their fathers and they believe that they will be involved when the world is renewed. Right. And uh, I wish to part from you in friendship and to take back my words. And Bilbo says, Farewell, king under the mountain. No mountain of gold can amend this ending. Yet I am glad, glad that I have shared in your perils. It's been more than a hobbit deserves to take part in adventures like this. And the thorn says, You are wrong, wrong. You're much better than you imagine. Some courage and some wisdom blended in measure. If dwarves valued food and songs above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. Farewell. And this is very close, almost word for word, once again with the book. And then he he dies and is carried away. Um, Once again, this is pretty bloodless. You can barely... It looks like he has some sort of makeup on his face that I didn't pay attention to whether he had it already or not. Right. I, I thought the very same thing. It's like, did I see that before? And I didn't recall he, he, seeing it before. Other than that but it ambiguous like bit of makeup. Yeah. It just looked like a, like a line. Um, okay, then Palin says to him, you've renounced the right... He says to Bilbo, you've renounced the right to your share, but I would award you the most richly of all. And Bilbo said riches would give him trouble. And so Balam gives him a small, looks like a jewelry box of treasure. Bilbo opens it and then closes it. You don't really see what's inside. But it's it's certainly not the whole pony load of treasure he brought back, but it's... Right. Bilbo's already rich. Right. Anyhow, Bilbo thanks them, and they all say their farewells. And uh, I should note, Feely and Keely are not dead in this adaptation. That's right. So uh, that makes me wonder who's king. I mean, technically, Feely should be next in line. 
that's probably the reason why they were killed off in the book is because I think Tolkien was intending to write it with um, Thorin's cousin being next in line and you know, nephews come first so we're like oh yeah those two died in the battle defending Thorin yeah and um, if he ever visits again they'll throw a feast and Bilbo tells them that if if they ever come his way again tea is at four and Gandalf is waving with a mischievous smile waving it looked like he was waving to the audience more right. than and um, dwarves and Bilbo wave to each other and then the road song which is somewhat changed from the book so I wrote down the the lyrics the road leads far and far away under the sun or under the moon but the voice of the heart will call and you are coming back to home and while this is happening he's carrying this big lantern and he's got though I hadn't noticed it before he's got the same sort of hooked at the end staff as uh, the dwarves do so um You quietly look and look around, and in the meadow you will see, and then they show Bilbo just at home sipping tea out of his cup. So you look at the... Yeah, it's kind of a hooked... It almost looks like one of those hooks that you would put, like, a flower planter on. But it, it it's a double hook, both curled under. Yeah, and then the lantern is hanging off of one of the hooks. And uh, the last words of the song, the house from your childhood and hills and trees and flowers, hills and trees and flowers. So this is um, clearly meant to be the Rhodes Grever ever on song, but the lyrics have been changed. The meaning of it is similar, though. So he's home, the outside of Bag End is shown, and it's shown like in a stony, steep hill. It does not look like the Shire. Now, um, before he shows up in Bag End, uh, Tolkien appears again, and um, he says that uh, all things come to an end, even our story. A day came when Mr. Bilbo Baggins caught caught a sight caught a sight in the country of the country where he was born and bred he returned to his home in the kettle and the hearth whistled more musically than in former times in the quiet days before the unexpected party and that uh, Bilbo took to writing poetry and visiting the elves with whom he recalled his adventures. The elves we didn't see in this. Yes, those elves. Um, and he remained very happy to the end of his days. And then Tolkien gets up and he says, and those were long, extraordinarily long. He says it kind of meaningfully. Right. And he walks away. And then the credits roll... And I'm not going to read all of them, but yeah, they have uh, as the author Z. Gort, People's Artist of the RSFSR, 
The Hobbit Mr. Bilbo Baggins as N. Danilov. Gandalf the Wizard as Honored Artist I. Crossco. I'm not exactly sure what Honored Artist is. I'm wondering if that's something similar to like an acting award. Yeah, I've wondered if it was like a, some different level of achievement. So, because there's on, Honored Artist and the People's... What is it? The People's... The People's Artist of the RSFSR and various other The People's things, which I think is a a Soviet thing. Oh, right. And Thorin, People's Artist, A. Ravikovich. I'm not great with the pronunciation. If I mess up any, I'm sorry. Um, Balin is A. Korshevnikov. Twalin as N. Gavrilov, Keeley as Honored Artist G. Korolchuk, Feely as M. Kuznikov, Dory as K. Dechids, Dechids, I I don't know, Nori as V. Koslov, Ori as O. Levikov, Gloin as Y. Zetravkin, Oin as V. Leletko, Bofer as Honored Artist M. Hrabrov, Biffer as Y. Osyanko, Bomber as A. Isakov, Bard as Honored Artist B. Sokolov, um, The Dragon Smog as A. Tchukukanov, Gollum as Honored Artist I. Dimitriv, The Spiders as honest, Honored Artist V. Martyanov and I. Muravyov. The Great Goblin as Honored Artist M. Met- Matviv. And the Goblins as L. Sekarin A. Slaxnis. Sla- and the dances performed by artists of the Leningrad State Academic Small Theater of Opera and Ballet. And there are a whole bunch of uh, credits beyond that, but that's the, the main cast and the dancers. So, all in all, I thought it was pretty decent. Um, you know, live action. Uh, and I thought that it rain- it maintained like, the charm and feel that um, Tolkien was intending with his book. Right. I don't imagine they had a very big budget for uh, things beyond the actors. I mean, the they didn't have budget really for the scenery as much or for any special effects. So they were, and plus it was 1985, so special effects weren't necessarily as spectacular as you might find today. But all in all, it was well worth watching. I'm glad I did. Um, the next, oh sorry. Go ahead. The next um, film we're going to cover is there's a also Soviet USSR Fellowship of the Ring. Um, Two Towers and Return of the King were, as far as I know, never made. And it's also a full length one. I'm curious if it's got some of the same staff, same uh, cast. Uh, I don't think any of the cast were the same, but you know, I'm not. I'm not sure. 
yeah well we'll have to see we'll compare it with what we observed in the this one with you know what we'll be seeing in the next oh, one. i have watched it once but i have not watched it with the subtitles yet so that will still be new to me right um i i will say that viewing and taking notes because you you watch a few bits and then you you know stop it and you take notes um it actually takes the better part of a day to watch something like this that's uh a little over an hour long so uh yeah it was pretty arduous back when uh house of the dragon and rings of power were out at the same time and i was trying to turn out both of them an episode for each a week and uh, when my job started i had to slow them down you know, they all were eventually done but yeah, that's how it is yeah one only has so many hours in the day anyhow uh well i think uh we pretty much covered it and thank you for listening and stay tuned for more and uh, follow us on Facebook. Um, do check out the Lord of the Rings um, live stream from my friend. And, and uh, if you, again, want to uh, view this yourself, then look up The Hobbit 1985 by Brain Nation um, on YouTube. And uh, have a good night. Bye.